This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. I think with each week, there's more and more up here. If, if, you, if you don't know me, um, my name is Corey James Johnson, um, and I am a spiller, and this is probably a really bad idea. Um, but we're going to go for it anyway. So um, I also, um, I, I'm a visual learner, and sometimes vi- things make sense in my head. And I'm hoping it translates here as well. Um, so last week we did the, the race outside, um, and, and there was some hesitation going into it, but I think it went okay. Um, so you win some, you lose some. Yeah, thumbs up, perfect. You win some, you lose some. Um, I'm feeling good about this. I think it'll go okay. Uh, shall we? <laughs> All right, perfect. Oh, man. Um, man, so we are, we are in a series called The Fullness of Life. And, and just true, just a little bit about my own heart is I, I believe that the Bible teaches um, that, here's the deal, here's the deal, y'all. If this is true, which I believe that it is, if this is true, then God is infinitely greater than we can humanly possibly imagine. If this is true, and I believe it is, we will get to heaven, and, 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 and our bodies and, and souls will be perfected, and God will still be infinitely greater than we can fathom. That heaven will be an ever-increasing abundance of joy in his presence. Like, we're never going to hit the ceiling. Um, Stephen, was it you talking to me? Oh, yeah, he was watching um, this TV show, The Good Life, right? Is that what it's called? The Good Place, The Good Place. The Good Life is a book by Derwin Gray, if you want to buy that as well. Um, I started it because that's what I do. I start books and I don't tend to finish them. Um, it's off to a great start, by the way. Uh, and so The Good Place, and, and Stephen, I, I've never seen an episode of it. I just kind of know the concept. Um, it, it's that it, it's a, a secular view of heaven, the afterlife, heaven and hell. Okay, I'm in the hunt. Good, perfect. And he said that, oh, this is a spoiler alert, Stephen, Meh. Ah, shoot. Okay, okay. This was not. This is not in the notes, y'all. So this is where this is real time. Um, just figuring this out. It is that there was an option available? You walk through doors. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> you and you and you go and you experience. The, the fullness of life, like you experience everything that you would want, um, except then when there's an out, there's an exit, that when you get to the fullness and you're like, well, there's nowhere else to go, there's an exit door to, to then leave that, that room and, and, and then to move on. Okay, so that was, I know that y'all are all like, I get it, because that made 42% in, sense in my head, so it probably made 13% sense in your head. The, the, the world thinks that, I don't know what the world thinks, honestly, but if heaven were to hit a ceiling, if heaven were to max out, if the presence of God were to be like, okay, I know everything, then that in and of itself will become a point of misery in hell. If you hit the, the ceiling of God, of knowing God, then you go, well, now I have the rest of eternity here, like just stuck here and eventually that's going to become miserable. Does that make sense? So the reality of heaven 
And heaven is the presence of God. It's, it's, that is the emphasis of heaven. The reality of the presence of God is that it is an ever-increasing abundance in his presence. We will never hit the ceiling of who God is. Otherwise, he's, we've become the same status as God, and he's no longer God. So that just kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like that, that is where we are going in eternity. And, and God has invited us here to start walking in that, into the fullness of life. That his design, his, his plan for us is that today we would know more of him and live the fullness of life in his presence to the, to the maximum amount that we can today. But then tomorrow, he wants to open up more for us. And then the next day, he wants to open up more for us. And the next day, he wants to open up more for us. That God's desire for us is to live the fullness of life in his presence. And for that to be an ever-increasing abundance of joy with him from this moment forward. That, that's his desire for us. And so we've just been talking about like, well, how do you, how do we get here, right? Like, how do we get to the fullness of life? And, and I'll explain this briefly, right? But, but how do we get to the fullness of life? And, and this is, as I was praying, we're going to be in Romans 13 today. As I was praying this week, I was like, God, what do you want to tell us? I believe that God wants to tell us this. And I think it's actually like printed on the worship guide there. I think God wants to tell us this, wake up and get dressed, Wake up and get dressed. Open your eyes. Don't be, don't be a zombie walking through life. Don't be lulled to sleep. Wake up and get dressed and let's go. I believe that is God's invitation is, hey, this is not some mirage. It's not some hoax. Wake up, get dressed, and let's go. I believe that is what God wants to tell us today. Back in the day, um, I, I tested to be a firefighter in Mesquite outside of Dallas. Um, I did not get the job. Um, here I am. Um, it's okay. I was never going to be a firefighter long term, but there's this boy in me that's like, I just want to go kick down a door with an axe and a hose, and I don't know. And so I tested with the fire department, and I don't know a ton about it. I never got to, to go fire to fire. Um, I do hope that one day somebody would be like, hey, you want to come along with us? I'm like, yeah. Um, I also secretly hope that the CIA will call me for a mission. So if anybody has connections, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, just give me a call, I'm in. Um, and so I, do, I don't know a lot about fighting fires, but I do know that when that alarm goes off, um, you, you've, got to, you've got to wake up and you've got to get dressed. Like you've got to put on gear because if you go try to fight a fire without the right clothes put on, you're gonna get burnt. Like you, you're gonna get tore up burnt. And so you got to wake up and not only do you have to put off your sleepiness or, or your pajamas or whatever, you got to put on the right stuff. Otherwise, we're going to walk into a battlefield and just get tore up. And that is what God is talking to us about today in Romans 13. Wake up. Yes, put off every weight and sin and get dressed. Put on the right thing. So let's read Romans 13 together. Romans chapter 13, if you have your Bibles. If not, um, it'll be on the screen. Also, if not, there's some, there's some Bibles in the back. Man, we'd love for you to take it. Uh, you can give it to friends. Um, so we would just love for people to have the Bible. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. All right, is that where we're starting? Perfect. It 
He says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up, to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Jesus is coming soon. Wake up. Jesus is coming soon. Wake up. The, the, the time is coming. The night is far gone. The day is at, at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as time, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Wake up and get dressed. So last week we talked about putting off every weight and sin which clings so closely. Our two runners outside, they, they ran races with ankle weights and those chutes, those parachutes, right? And then one of them got to take off the weights in their parachute and surprisingly they ran a little faster and freer than the other person, right? Like if we're gonna run a race, we're foolish to think we can run a race well if we're loaded down with weights, with, with just excess. And so the Bible's like, hey, like, get rid of every weight and sin which holds you back. Every weight and sin which holds you back. Get rid of it and run the race before you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I maybe should have flip-flopped last week's sermon and this week's because perhaps more than putting off, more important is what we put on. Because Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. The more that we put on Jesus, there literally will not be space for other things. There just won't be room for the weights and the sins which clings so closely. So let's try to back up and recap because I do, I do recognize some fresh faces and because it's just in my notes and so we're just gonna back up and recap anyways, um, even if there weren't fresh faces. Um, so we have, to, we have to know where we're running. So Genesis chapter one, verse one, right? So page one, if you're just to open the Bible and we're like, I've never read this thing before, where do I start? And we go to page one, Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. So before the world began, before the world existed, before you existed, before your parents existed, before the, the giraffes and the tigers and the birds and the, the, the oceans and the seas and the trees and the mountains, before all of that, God existed. God didn't just exist though, and we've talked about this, God here represented by this triangle existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one God, but he is triune in nature, and this is massively important. Because if God is just Father, and he's supposed to be loving, well, love is an outward motion, right? Lo love is supposed to move outward, and so if God is just Father, and he is loving, then all he does is love himself, which is just egocentrism, and he's selfish, but love is generous, and so God as the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loves the Father, and so they're able to love and to give and to be generous within himself as God, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the, the real key about this is that God did not need anything. God didn't need the world to be happy. 
God didn't need you and me to be happy. And so I know we've probably heard this idea like, man, heaven was lonely without us. And, and that's just not true. It's just not true. God didn't need us. Like, man, God, he just, he, he wanted to create us and he did, but it's not because he needed us. It's not because he was lonely and he was socially deprived. God was perfectly content and happy. So we're like, man, we're supposed to glorify God. Well, it's not because God's glory bucket is low. And he's like, shoot, I really need people to glorify me or else I'm going to be in trouble. Like God's glory bucket is full and overflowing all within himself because the Father gives glory to the Son and the Son gives glory to the Father and the Father gives glory to the Spirit and the Spirit gives glory to the Son, right? So they have, God has everything he needs. Are are you with me? Are you tracking with me in this? This is important. This is huge because if God doesn't need us, then why does he create the world? Why does he create humanity? Simply because he's a generous God of love and he wanted to invite humanity to join him in this fullness of life. God, we talked about this, right? I don't even, I don't know if we have that picture of that house anymore, right? Like God had everything in pristine condition and he didn't need anybody. He simply said, hey, I want to invite people to join me in the fullness of life, to join in this relationship. And so God in and of himself is the fullness of life. Water represents life, and this brand of water names it life water, although they just did WTR, but it means water. You know what I'm talking about, okay. So God is the fullness of life, pure, pristine fellowship and communion. And he didn't need anything else, but in his love, God says, I wanna create a people to join me like this, to be, he creates us in his image to be like him, to join in this divine fellowship. And so God generously pours himself out and creates humanity to be like him, overflowing even with his goodness and love. But don't worry, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit continues to give. And so he never really runs out of the fullness of life. It's just continually, he's just able to give, right? He's just able to overflow. That's why we're refilling here because God doesn't run out. Like I said, this is all real time. Perfect. That was perfect. I didn't plan that. That was just perfect. So God in his goodness and generosity, he doesn't need anything. He just gives to us. right? He just, he creates and he invites us into that. But the problem is, we're all, none of us are living this, right? None of us are overflowing with God's fullness and joy. We're all looking for the fullness of life. Raise your hand, we're gonna do a group test. Raise your hand if you have reached the pinnacle of life. There's nothing more or better that you can receive ever. Okay, I, was just, I, I thought that was gonna be the case, but I just wanted to make sure, you know? Um, We all know that something's broken, something's missing, something is off. And you see what happened in Genesis 3 is the lying, deceiving snake comes in and says, hey, yes, this is what God created you for, but you can do better on your own. Right? Yes, God said go this way, but look over there. Doesn't she look good? Doesn't that taste good? Doesn't that feel good? Like, yes, God said this, but you can do your own thing and still have that. It's okay. It's fine. 
And so the devil starts to whisper these lies that life is better on your own, not following God. And when that happens, this results, emptiness, brokenness. We see it in Genesis 3 immediately. The immediate thing that happens when Adam and Eve sin is they go and hide. They they run and hide from the presence of God. And so I've been saying hiding is of the devil. It is never of the Lord. And so they go and they hide and they have this brokenness and things are off. But that's where Jesus comes in, in John 10, 10. Jesus came to fix what we broke, to give us new life. And so the generous love of God is that he continues to pour out, even, even after we were the ones that walked away from him. Y'all, that, this has to sink into the depths of our beings or we're never going to love God fully. We have to realize that we were the ones that walked away and yet still he pursued us in love. Still he pursued us in love and poured himself back out that we could be refilled by his presence. That's the message of the gospel. Not that we would fix ourselves, but that Jesus in his love would come and fix us and fill us back up. But here's the thing. We're not in heaven yet, so we still live in a broken world. And so we still, even though Jesus has come and forgiven our sins, and we still reach back and we're like, let me add in a little bit of greed we're like, oh man, let me add in a little bit of pornography. Let me add in a little bit of covetous. Oh, that looks good, so let me chase after that. And we start cramming in these weights and sins into our lives that just start pushing God back out of our lives. Right? Not everything's bad. That's what the Bible said in Hebrews 12. He says, throw off every weight and sin. Not every weight is sin, but it just slows us down. And it pushes out the perfection of God in our life. And so here's what Paul is saying to us. Wake up. Wake up. Put off the darkness and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Quit adding sin back into your life when, when Jesus wants you to have him in the fullness of life. He wants you to have living water. That's what Paul says. Wake up and put off darkness and put on light. You, you, can, see, you can sense some urgency in Romans 13. Where is Romans? Gracious. Do I ever do that sometimes? You're like, well, I don't even know where. Okay. Verse 11, right? Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For the salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. He's like, wake up. The, the Greek word for wake up is hypnos. It's the root for Hypnos, hypnotic. You get your English word hypnotic from the Greek word wake up. He's like, wake up from your hypnotic trance. Open your eyes and look around. You, you ever just had someone, a friend, that you're like, what are you doing? You just want to shake them? 
And she's like, you know that that is killing you. Like you know that you're destroying your life and you're destroying the people that you love and you just kind of want to shake them and tell them, open your eyes and wake up. Like stop, and you would do anything in your power to just open, like knock them out of this hypnotic trance that they're in. And Paul is like, wake up. There's this old story, right? Maybe you've heard it um, of a hare and a tortoise. And they're in this race, a hare and a tortoise in a race. That's silly, right? They're in this race, and the hare is very confident of himself, and he's like taking off, and he's just running, and he's so far ahead that he's like, oh, I'll just take it easy. And he, he lays down for a nap, right? He drops his guard. He's like, I got this. I'm good on my own. This is easy. I don't need to be on guard. I don't need to stay you know, vigilant. That's fine. He just lays down to take a little nap, right? And what happens? Eventually, he kind of comes out a little bit, and before he knows it, he's lost. Because, because the tortoise, you know, stayed awake and kept moving. And Paul is like, oh my gosh, wake up. Look what is ahead of you. Look what is coming. Open your eyes. I had someone do this for, with me in college when I was dating Stephanie. And I mean, I didn't know this guy well, but he came up to me and he was like, hey, are you going to marry her or not? And I was like, ah, oh, man, I just don't know yet. And he was like, you either marry her or you leave her. Like you marry her, you let her go. I was like, dude, you don't know me. You better <laughs> step away a little bit here for a second. But he was right, right? Like, I needed to wake up and be a man. I needed to decide if I was going to commit to this woman or not. I did. Hello, there she is, you know? But he just wanted to shake, like, man, we just need sometimes people to, to wake us up. Psalm ninety twelve. he says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Paul is saying, look, Jesus is coming back soon, like we're not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed to make it to the end of the day. None of us are guaranteed six months. We, we can't be like, I'm gonna, get my, I'm gonna get my act together later. Like I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna grow up. I'll do it later. None of us are guaranteed that ever, ever, ever. And the psalmist says, Lord God, teach us to know that life is short so that we would have wisdom, so that we would know how to live Paul's like, wake up, Jesus is coming back soon. Do not act a fool. Be smart. Wake up. I mean, I think if Paul were speaking to the church today in Austin in the United States, he would say, wake up and quit being a consumer of church and be a kingdom contributor. I think he would say, wake up up and quit consuming church like it's a movie or a pair of shoes or your favorite food, but live as a Christian and a kingdom contributor because time is short. He would say, wake up because there is more to be had in Christ. There's infinitely more. Wake up because Jesus is better than anything else that you're settling for. Wake up. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. There are men and women and children dying today. There are billions who have never heard the name of Jesus. Wake up and get outside of your selfish hypnotic trance and live for the kingdom. Wake 
up, love God. Wake up, love your neighbor. Wake up and lay your life down for Jesus as he laid his life down for you. That's what Paul is saying is wake up, open your eyes and see that there is so much more in him than anything this world has to offer. Wake up. And then he says, and put off darkness. In verse 12, wake up, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness. Stephanie pointed this out to me. I know her and Erica are doing a discipleship group through Romans, and she was like, it, it just, the command is for us to cast off darkness. We have the power of God in us to actually put it away. If we have said yes to Jesus, we have the power of God. Look, I know this is one, and it's like, oh, I don't know about that. We have the power of God to never sin again. Yes, I know that we live in a broken world and we will sin, but we have the power of the living God in us. We, there's an immeasurably greatness of the power of the Spirit of God in us to cast off darkness. We do not have to be overcome. We are already victorious in Jesus. And so she says, cast off darkness. And then Paul lists some, some, some darkness, some acts of darkness that are, are no doubt probably more specific to this context. And so I just started thinking, okay, if Paul's talking to the church in Austin and he's saying cast off darkness, what are the works of darkness that he would tell us to cast off? And I already named one. I think it's a half-hearted, lukewarm consumerism to the church. I think it's a half-hearted, lukewarm, religious consumerism rather than my life is not my own. I lay it down for the sake of Jesus and what he says goes from start to finish. I think, I think Paul would say cast that off. I think Paul would say let your yes be yes and your no be no. We are a non-committal culture. I think I'll go there. But man, I really don't want to miss out on these opportunities, so I'm going to kind of leave it open a little bit in case something better comes up. And, and we don't realize that people depend on, on one another. I've said this a million times, and I'm just not really going to hold back on, um, like, it matters that you're here. Or, or if, you, if, if it's another church that is your church home, it matters that you're there. My own personal encouragement, I, I, need, I need you. It, it, it is hard. And so it matters to the building up of others when we are present and commit to what we said we're going to do. Right? Your community group leaders, when you say, I'm going to be here, it matters to them when we show up. It matters to people when your yes is yes and your no is no, but we're so non-committal that we're actually beating others down because we don't know who to depend on or... or What's going to be there? And I think Paul would say, wake up and let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because we are meant to be built up together. I think Paul would say, wake up and cast off the darkness of pornography. It is unbelievably pervasive. And it is destroying our minds and our hearts. It is literally changing the physical, biological makeup of our brain. That the more we watch it, our frontal prefortex, pre, prefrontal cortex 
is literally changing, and that is the brakes of the human mind. The prefrontal cortex is the part of the mind that says, no, no, this is probably not a great idea. Let me go somewhere else. And the more that we let sin dominate, it changes our prefrontal cortex so that we literally do not have the brakes anymore, and that gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and then you have what is called as addiction. And it is killing us. And so I think Paul would say, wake up and put off darkness. And listen to me, you're not going to put it off on your own. So whether it's pornography or alcohol or, I don't know, um, an addiction to TV or shopping or whatever, we are, if we're like, I'm going to do this this time, right? We're not going to do this on our own. We have to expose it to the light because the light is what overcomes the darkness. And if we think we're going to tuck this in and keep it buried over here in the corner of our soul and by our own strength, we're going to be able to do this, then the Bible is just telling you, hey, I'll see you back on the ground here in a couple weeks. We have to walk together to do this. That is how God designed us. This is a safe place for it to not, it's okay to not be okay here. I'm just telling you that I am a mess I've tried to be as open as I possibly can about my own struggles and depression and anxiety, and and it is okay to not be okay, but it is not okay for us to stay here. Jesus did not lay down his life for us to stay put. And so we're going to put off the work of darkness by the power of the Spirit of God in us and with community. So one of the first steps where you know you'll, you will know you're serious about putting this off is if you bring someone into the fight with you. Because if you think that we're going to do it alone, we're kidding ourselves. And Paul would say, wake up. Wake up. I think Paul would say, wake up and put off drunkenness. I've said this a few times already in this church. I believe that we have a problem of drunkenness. I believe that we want to, we're free in Christ to have a drink, but then we take a drink to be three drinks, to be four drinks, to be seven drinks, or, or whatever it is. And Paul is like, no, 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 no. Like you are now abusing the freedom that Christ bought you. And I think he would say, put off drunkenness. I think he would say, put off greed. We are covetous. We want what others have. We are not content in our own lives. I think Paul would say, put it off. Listen, this is a a daily thing of putting off the sin which steals and kills and destroys. It's not a one and done. It is a daily, all right, Lord, I surrender myself to you again. But there is freedom in Christ and there's a community of believers that will walk with you. And so Paul's saying, wake up and put it off. But even more so than that, he is saying, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. If we take Jesus and we actively put him back into our lives, just by doing that, he forces out the sin. There's there's just no room anymore, right? The more of Jesus that I put into my life, there's just physically not room for the sin to remain. And it starts to push out the flesh. That is what he's saying. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Leave no room for the works of darkness to have a place. So what does this mean then to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? The simplest way I know how to say it is to become like Jesus. 
to put on Jesus is to become like Jesus. It is internally and externally looking like Jesus. It is internally believing what Jesus believes, feeling what Jesus feels, hating what Jesus hates, loving what Jesus loves, seeing as Jesus loves. It is internally becoming like Jesus and externally obeying like Jesus. It is welcoming others in as Jesus welcomed in. It is caring for the poor as Jesus cared for the poor. It is serving those around us as Jesus served those around us. It is loving the least of these as Jesus loved the least of these. It is laying down our lives as Jesus laid down his life for us. Putting on Jesus is becoming like Jesus. And listen, we will never casually, accidentally become like Jesus. We are not just going to one day wake up and be like, <laughs> Christ likeness, nailed it, in my sleep, just killed it. It is an intentional choice to wake up and put on Jesus. It is an intentional choice to wake up and not grab my phone and start putting on the world, but instead put on Jesus. It is an intentional choice to sit down with his words and to put on Jesus. It is to become like Jesus. And so how do we do that? Introducing the, the practices of purpose. And I realize it's kind of like, wait, what? am I supposed to take all these notes down? Like, look, I realize we are gonna work on this for the rest of our lives. But it is putting things into our lives that cause us to think about Jesus and become more like Jesus. And the first four, I, I think, matter most. Number one is time with God. If we're going to become like Jesus, we have to know Jesus. We're never going to be like Jesus if we don't know who he is or what he says, ever. We're going to become like what we think Jesus might be. So we have to spend time here. The second thing is worship gatherings. It's being with the church, worshiping God together. It is biblical, it is what we will do for all of eternity. And so it's being a part of a church and worshiping. The third thing I call refocusing prayers. Here's the thing, a lot of times we get really good at stopping and reading the Bible and maybe doing something and then we close it and we walk away and leave it. And then we spend the rest of the, I don't know, 23 and a half hours of the day with nothing. And so these are intentional times in the, in, in the day. You see it in the, in the Bible and Acts where they would go to the church to pray during the ninth hour or during the twelfth hour or whatever. There were intentional times in the early church where they would stop and pray so that they can recenter their mind on God as the most important thing. And, and so... One of the books we're reading, Claire's leading the book club um, called The Common Rule. He recommends three times, morning, midday, and evening, where we just set a pattern of I'm going to pray. It doesn't have to be these long prayers. It's just I'm going to stop and refocus my mind on what we're going towards, on what matters most. And the fourth thing I would say of, of most importance is discipleship groups. It's, it's it, being really known. There has to be at least one person in your life that knows everything. And when I mean everything, like I literally mean everything. Those thoughts that you're like, oh, this was just a thought. It doesn't really matter. They need to know that because those thoughts are what turn into actions. 
So when you have a thought and you're like, man, I handled that, it's fine. No, no, they, they should know that. That's what starts to kill it before it ever becomes something. And so the discipleship groups are one or two or three people that, man, they are walking in this life with you because we are in a war against darkness. And we're not going to win a war on our own. So we got people with us. Other things that we'll talk about along the way, Sabbath, community groups, evangelism, hospitality, fasting, solitude, generosity, personal health. Those are all things that we see biblically that matter that make us more like Jesus. These are all just tools. They're never the end of themselves. They're tools that help us to become like Jesus, which is the end for us. And so Paul, he says, wake up. See that Jesus is coming soon, that life is more than just this, that it's better knowing Christ. Put off the darkness, put off every weight and sin which clings so closely, and put on the Lord Jesus. Put Jesus into your life. Become like Jesus in the way you think and feel and love and the way that you act. So I know that the old bracelet, what would Jesus do, WWJD, it's like, man, those kind of ran their course. And they're not, but the, it's actually pretty smart. Like if you can, if you're doing something and you cannot say, yeah, I think I would see Jesus doing this, then we should probably put it off. If you're watching something and you're like, yeah, man, would Jesus watch this with me? Uh, probably not. I mean, we're either going to try to stay in the gray and play with fire or we're going to be serious about what God calls us to. This is that point where the rubber kind of meets the road. Do we believe that a life in God's presence looking like Jesus is the fullness of life? That the more that we look like the sun, the more we join in this divine communion, that that is the fullness of life. Do we actually believe that? Because then the actions will follow. If the actions aren't following, then at some level we don't fully believe that. And that's where we start. We own that and admit that. Let God change us. I know we'll talk more about this um, probably after Thanksgiving, um, but just the word wait is in the Bible all over the place. And I hate it because I don't want to wait. Like, I am impatient. Like, I am impatient. I want things done now. You know, I want to be better now. I want to get past this now. I don't want it to be a process. Gosh, if someone else tells me one more time, it's just part of the process, like, I might punch them. Um, even though they're right, I know, I get it, I get it. But the Bible says wait. Can I just tell you, I think one of, the, one of the biggest things that we get wrong is we don't wait on the Lord. We sit down and we're like, Mark 6, okay, to-do list, and we just move on. Right, and God's like, hey, I want you to read, and then I maybe just want you to sit for 30 minutes. And we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> I gotta do something here. This is so unproductive and lazy. And God's like, I just want you to wait. And then when you get to that place where you're like, that's surely enough waiting, I think God just is saying, nope, I want you to wait some more. Because we have to learn that he is enough 
that he is the one that will accomplish the work. We have to learn that or we'll continue to try to do it in our own strength and wind up on our faces. Yo, I really believe that um, God wants so much more for us. I really do. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12 says, throw off every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth that will fade away. And we just see it all over the Bible that we have to look to Jesus. We have to put him in and he is who will change us and push out the works of darkness. Let's pray. I invite you um, again just for a time of personal prayer. Maybe you want to read back over those verses, Romans 13. Maybe you want to go read Psalm 90. Maybe it's Ephesians 3. And you just want to ask God to give you the power to comprehend the love of Jesus. Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Are you living in that freedom? Is there something that God is asking you to let go of? God, would you convince our hearts today that your words are the words of life? God, would you over, overcome the lie of the devil? That seeks to tell us your way is not better and best. 
surely, Jesus, you bore our grief and carried our sorrows. Jesus, you took the wrath of God for our sin. Jesus, you were pierced for our transgressions. You were crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was placed on you. Jesus, by your wounds, we are healed. Blood, our sins, the record of our debt can be washed clean. God, we wait on you. We listen for you. We look for you. God, everything in this life will, will pass and will fade. But you will never fade. Your word will never fade. God, there is an immeasurable greatness of your power for us to know today in you to an abundance, God, that you can do far more abundantly than all we can think and imagine. You have so much more for us and for our lives in, in following you and surrendering to you that, Jesus, you say, as we lay our life down, you pick it up. But you warn us that if we want to hold on to our lives, we're actually going to lose it. And so I pray for freedom today, God, that we will lay our lives down and, Jesus, we will put you on we will receive your work to forgive us. And that Jesus, by faith in you, you say that we become a new creation, that we are spiritually raised from death to life and that we today have a new life in you. God, may we never settle for, for less than what you came to purchase for us on the cross. May we never settle for less than what you give us in your resurrection. May we never settle for the fleeting pleasures of sin, but Jesus, may our eyes be set on things above to the greater things that you have brought for us to have. May we know today who we are in you. That Jesus, by your victory over death, we are given victory over death and sin. That Jesus, by your life, we are given life. Cause us to wake up. Break us free from the hypnotic trance that we've fallen into. God, may, may this be more than just religious talk, but God. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.